Always on Target on The Face Radio with your host, Maud Marty. Behind the curtain, I'm really a poser in, in this duo. I just, I just tag along. Welcome to On Target, where I spin Northern Soul, Mod Beat, Rare Groove, and Forgotten Gems, all on vinyl, all at 45 RPM. I'm your host, Mod Marty, and yes, I finally have Parker Pat as a guest on the show, doing another special interview episode. We cover a lot of stuff, so I'm going to jump right into it. The track I started the show off with at the top there was Sonny Boy Williamson, Your Funeral and My Trial, which came out in the US on the Checker label. I played it for you on the Canadian Rio label. And Patrick is gonna play some pretty excellent stuff for you. If uh, this episode makes you uncomfortable in any way, just remember that Patrick and I are very, very good friends. And even though his words sometimes cut like a knife, I still love the man. Hi, Patrick. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, my friend. Uh, it's an honor. Well, yes, sure, it's an honor, but it, I have a few bones to pick with you right off the bat. Can we do that? Oh, excellent. I love to start a show like this. <laughs> we need to put things out of the way so we get a smooth show together. So uh, I, I'll be honest with you, uh, Marty. I'm I'm a bit insulted. I'm a bit insulted by the fact that I wasn't your first interview guest. How can you be insulted by that? How many shows have we done together? Yeah, that's different. They don't count. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, you have to be honest, Marty. You know, I'm the one who basically put you on the map, right? How do you figure that? Well, you know, outside of rural Manitoba, you, you weren't really known, you know? Maybe like little pockets like in cut knife uh, Saskatchewan you maybe have a few people listening but I'm the one that put you on the map and uh, made you a big star okay if you, that makes you feel good then you go with that uh, so aside from being insulted I, I 
I decided to put that aside and I accepted your invitation, but I'll tell you right off the bat, the real reason why it came is just to plug my own podcast, oh, Addicted to the Needle. Awesome. So <laughs> so I want to invite your, your listeners to a uh, little game. Oh, geez. So a little drinking game. <laughs> So they can uh, they can pick out their favorite libations, and every time I'm gonna plug my podcast, they okay uh, grab a shot, and I guarantee you by the end of this show, your dozen or so listeners are uh, are gonna be very very drunk. Man, you're hurting my feelings. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> you know. There's no, uh, there's no secret here. We're we're best friends, and we've been every time we've re- recorded together. Everybody tells us we we sound like an old married couple. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and I just want to make sure your listeners uh, know that this is a bit of a shtick we do. You know, I'm really into my mod persona right now. Uh, you know, I'm I'm wearing a genuine M51. U.S. issued parka as we speak. This is my mod persona. And if you run it, hear the real Patrick Foisy, go and have a listen to Addicted to the Needle, the podcast where vinyl addict meets his dealer. Shot. So if I, I'm, I'm a bit boisterous and that's all part of a persona, you know, and us mods like to brag, you know, who has the best record collection. Don't well, even go there. <laughs> that's not really a competition but you know who has the the, the most uh, desirable scooters and uh, you know mod encompasses like fashion and our digs also we we like to collect a bunch of stuff we like to pretend like we're in 1964 from our mid-century modern um, furniture so that's why I want people to know right off the bat it, I'm really into my persona right now I'm in real life you know, you'll have to admit, I'm not that much of a dick. Not all the time, no. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now that's uh, out of the way, I'm all yours. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad you managed to uh, inject a game into this episode because I was like trying to make this different from all of our, our other things that we've done together. But... We will mention Addicted to the Needle. Shot. As often as you like, because it's a great show. And uh, I've also been on it a bunch of times, and I want people to listen to both. So my 12 listeners will. (laughs) (laughs) But what I'm going to try and pry from you today is some backstory on you. Where did you grow up? So uh, as you can tell by my uh, slight accent, (laughs) I'm a French Canadian, or as we say here, a Quebecois. So uh, English is really my second language. I grew up here in Montreal. And then uh, at the end of high school, I did move to Toronto, where right. I sort of perfected my English to what it is now. Working at McDonald's? <laughs> well, I did work at McDonald's, and that's how I bought my first pair of Doc Martens. So that's really when, you know, the mod thing all started for me. I did have a friend in Montreal who had a brother that was really into the who. So he introduced me to Quartafina and he was a neighbor about five houses down. And both our fathers worked for IBM. So the fathers knew each other. We lived five houses away. And he's the one who really introduced me to mod culture. And then on Fortunately, he moved to Toronto. Oh, did you meet him when you were in high school? Yeah. Oh, okay. exactly. So uh, he moved to Toronto. He's Anglophone, but his parents insisted he go to a French school. So he went to the only private French school around Toronto. And I followed him a year or two later. And I went to the only public uh, French school in Toronto. Etienne Brûlé. So the friend I'm talking about is Greg. And we uh, both pursued our, you know, sort of knowledge of the mod culture in Toronto together. And he gave me my first really thin tie 
that I still own. Yeah. <laughs> and he wasn't as dedicated as I was, but he was more into the music than anything else. So I basically was the only mod in my high school. There was one other mod. He got out of the scene and sold me his parka. So that's how I got my first parka, which I still own, my first uh, M51. So that's when I really got into it. But I was really an island of one in a French high school in Toronto. I can relate to that. And when I moved back, it was even worse. You know, the, it's kind of weird that I, I was walking around when I started college in my parka with, with a patch on the shoulder of the Canadian flag crossed with the Union Jack when you're really in Quebec where oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit frowned upon for a French speaker of wearing, you know, since the French lost the war. Yeah. I mean, anybody wearing those patches would get sideways glances in Quebec. Oh, in my French college, uh, some people were, yeah, it got yeah. frowns. So, uh, but, you know, that's what a mod is. You don't care what people think. Yep. You're proud. And I was the only one walking around in a suit. <laughs> but uh, that's what mod is all about. That's what a face is about. Yeah. You, know, you're, you don't care. You're forward thinking and you're, you're. And the one you know, thing that I've learned is that it is lonely being a face like you are the whole point like you're saying is to stand out from the crowd to be unique but that does set you outside of the groups you know the people there you'd have your own clique that's just you <laughs> it's hard right and it's not like montreal didn't have a healthy mod scene it did we're talking about uh, i started getting into the scene in toronto and around 1987, moved back around 88, 89. And it's not like there wasn't a healthy mod scene in Montreal. It's just that if you don't know about it, there's no way you can find it. Right. And I was living in the suburbs of the island of Montreal. And I was living in what we call uh, the West Island, where there's a few attached cities. I was living in Pierrefonds. And, you know, it's not like I could go to a weekender in Pierrefonds. No. <laughs> did you it. go to shows? Like, did you try and see bands that might fit into the whole mod thing? So what I was really into when I got into Toronto and then back to Montreal was ska. Two-tone, the two-tone era ska. A familiar story. <laughs> it, it was a mix of Quarterfinia and, you know, my first ska album was, uh, it's between This Is Ska and the first Specials album. Yeah. And that was our reference. I, yeah, that was my foray into it as well. Like the first specials album was my introduction to two-tone and I was addicted to it. Like just completely addicted to the needle. Oh, I, oh. I saw you going there and then I... Like, <laughs> you froze. That's why. <laughs> I know. I was going to say to the needle and then you, you went and said it anyway. So, <laughs> so um, how many... Hours do you think you spent looking at that, you know, LP cover? Oh, it's so many. The specials. It's, it's, you dissected everything. Yeah. And everything about Walt Japsko, too, like the little figure that's right. there, the two tone label, right? Walt Japsko mm -hmm. is like so cool and so graphic and like it really drew you in. And everything you'd see, like if you go into a record store and if it had Walt Japsko or the checkerboard strip or something on it, you went straight to it. And if you want to hear a, a good story, I had a very rare pin of Walt and the Beat Girl. Oh, cool. On a scooter. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that was, a for some reason, a really rare pin. And I don't remember how I found it. Too cool. Yeah, because I do know the image that you're talking about, but I've never seen it as a pin. Right. So about 15, 20 years ago now, in Montreal, the English Beat, or as our UK friends call them, the beat, came into town. And I remember I had a date back then that I invited to go see the show. And we decided to 
show up early. We didn't have tickets. We we showed up early and we decided we'd go to the venue, buy some tickets, go have dinner, and then come back and see the show. So I show up to the venue before anything was really happening. And it was like on the second floor. So I'm trying to find the ticket counter and I walk up to the second floor and I come face to face with uh, Dave Winkling. Oh, and he goes, uh, can I help you? I go, hey, Dave, I'm I'm coming here to see you. It's me. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to buy tickets. Can I buy tickets? And he doesn't even answer me. And he spots that pin on my ah. on my parka. He goes, oh, my God, that pin is so rare. I, I'm thinking of starting a, a website with rare pins from the two-tone era. Uh, can I give you my email? You can send me a picture. And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> and I just go on my parka lapel, I guess. Yeah. Take it off and hand it to him. Wow. And he goes, no, 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 no. I can't accept it. No. I go, Dave, I, I insist. So he decided to put me on the uh, VIP list. I was going to say, did he sell you the tickets at full price after that? <laughs> no, he gave me tickets, a pair of tickets. So uh, nice. So anyway, back then you didn't have the internet, you know. You had zines, which I was a big fan of yours. Yeah, yeah. You know that. <laughs> Kindernacht. Anybody out there remembers. <laughs> yeah, don't forget to buy the uh, the new comic. Yeah, Shadow Company. I even wrote you a fan letter. Yes, which I, I keep meaning to try and find. I have a box full of all my fan letters here, and it's in there somewhere, I'm sure. I keep forgetting to look for it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so we didn't have much ways to get in, in touch with other mods unless you were like walking down downtown and then you cross paths with another uh, parker wearing fellow but i did have one close friend in the west island frank frank hogan and he was the only black skinhead probably in the province <laughs> <laughs> and he was really into the oi scene and uh and we we connected over the the ska and reggae yeah so we did go to shows together, but most of the mod scene was really into the garage side of it. Really? That's interesting. That's very different from BC. Well, I kept going to ska shows. Yeah. There was a, a cool band here uh, called the Kingpins. One of my favorite Canadian ska oh, bands. Oh, yeah. I just saw oh, them uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. They reunited. And it was great. Well, do you remember the first compilation called All Canadian Club? Absolutely, I know that. Yeah. Well, on the on the cover is really cool. It looks like sort of a a Mountie wearing like cherry docks skanking. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But if you flip the well, it's, it was a CD back then. If you flip the CD, there's a photo of a bunch of skinheads sitting on a bench, and Frank oh. is in the picture. Oh, cool. Yeah, so ska was big in the city and it was separated between, I guess, the ska and the garage scene. And when I was a teenager, if you asked me on Monday what I was, I'd say a rude boy. And then on Tuesday, I'd be a mod. So I'd be flipping back and forth. Yeah. And I guess I've been doing that ever since. They're so closely connected. It's almost just the music that you're listening to, right? Like rude boys dress up in suits and maybe, you know, wear a pork pie hat. But I mean, mods can be a lot more flamboyant with their extras, you know, like cufflinks and tie pins and things like that. But it's still dressing up sharp and listening to cool music. That's what it is. <laughs> right, exactly. So the big band back then was the Gruesomes. You know, very popular. Canadian garage royalty. I had a Gruesome's t-shirt in high school that I wore till it was like full of holes because it, they looked like the Ramones, but only cooler, like grittier. Oh, yeah. You know? And their music was great. Yeah. They had a few albums and they, they're still garage royalty. They're pockets of fans all over the world that still love the gruesome so they're still dishing out music every once in a while they're huge in mexico and in spain and japan and so i was never part of that scene which is weird because now i'm very close with two of the members yeah that have been uh on my podcast <laughs> addicted to the needle well they came to montreal and they, they did. yeah, and I, I was feeling uh, starstruck 
hanging out with them going, oh yeah, I'm hanging out with the Grusons. That's so cool. Yeah. Bobby yeah. Beaton and uh, John Davis. Well, Bobby, yeah. And Bobby and I had like some pretty great talks and I really felt like that was super cool. <laughs> Oh, they know they know their music, and uh, luckily uh, during uh, Halloween, I emceed their show, and I I was a DJ for their show. That, yeah, I saw that. I saw pictures. It looked like a great time. And the best thing was at the end of the show, Bobby, the singer, gave me a shout out. Okay, he goes, uh, "Well, we want to thank uh, DJ Parker Pat. Stay here. We're gonna have a dance party. He's gonna play the best tunes off of CD compilation." <laughs> he's the best that's a good transition here because i want to know how you got into collecting vinyl when did that happen all right so i really got heavy into collecting later in life i'd say about 15 years ago especially 45s before that i had albums you know your all your classics mod revival some a bit of soul a bit of uh, alternative music like The Cure, The Smiths, and yep. The Pesh Mode, Joy Division, to just to name a few. But I really got into collecting, I'd say 15 years ago. One of my biggest inspirations was a mutual friend of ours, uh-huh. uh, Dr. Lee Modern. Dr. Lee Modern Esquire. Esquire. Yeah. So he's a doctor in biology, a DJ, mod DJ, and a lawyer. And he's a very close friend of ours. He moved back to Montreal, by the way. Yes. He was an expat in San Diego for years. Yeah, I convinced him to come to Montreal instead of going out west near you. And uh, he said, oh, that's a pretty solid argument. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's the one I have to give props to because he's the one who gave me my first try at DJing. He's so welcoming and nice. And I just asked him, you know, he had a night that you, you know, very well. Yeah, we did it together in uh, in BC when he lived in Vancouver. That's where I met him. And we did the mod club in Vancouver. So uh, there was a, a, a satellite night across Canada. Yeah, there were seven of them across Canada. Yeah, called the mod club. And I kept it going until the pandemic. Yeah. So I was running for certainly more than a decade. And when Lee moved to the States, he handed me the reins and gave me the golden key to <laughs> Mod Club Montreal. But aside from that, the longest running Mod Club was Ottawa with our friend DJ Gaz. Yeah. Where we both uh, guest DJ. So there was a lot of uh, very successful, long running Mud Club nights across Canada. And uh, I owed it all to Lee for giving me my chance. At the same time, he gave my podcast partner from Addicted to the Needle, Ben Schulman, shot <laughs> his first chance. So we arrived about at the same time. And that's when, you know, the addiction really. Started. That's great because when we were playing in in Vancouver, we were playing CDs. Yeah, when like we, we we were just transitioning to to vinyl. I had like books of CDs. He had books of CDs, and we would bring records. And that's also back in the day when bars had turntables, so like you didn't have to set up all that stuff. It was already there. So bring records and play them. I had to give myself credit for sort of pushing vinyl back into the mod club because when I first attended, they were playing CDs. And Ben and I are the ones who brought it back. And it sort of inspired uh, Lee. He was playing off of uh, LPs mostly. But Ben and I, except for the first time I DJed, first time I had, you know, like 50%, 45s, and I had CDs. But it didn't last long. And we were, Ben and I were purely 100% 45s from then on. And when I took over, that was just a given, you know. Uh, yeah. We didn't even set up CD players. We just had turntables. And that's that's like a natural progression, but it's really hard to jump into just 45s right out of the gate because you have to have all that music, right? You can't just like while you're collecting or just starting go out there and play 45s. You have to have those 45s to play. For me, it was, I had the songs I wanted to play on CD and I was looking for them on 45. So in the meantime, I was playing them off the CD until I could find the 45, which took years, right? I'm still looking for stuff. We both are, yeah. So I, I, I have a leg up, but uh, you know, you, you'll catch me eventually. Ben, <laughs> 
let's pull out your first record. So I asked you to find three tracks that uh, either I hadn't heard before or you think don't get enough play. But knowing you, I knew you would pick the ones that you think that I haven't heard before, which you're probably right. That's exactly what you wrote me in an email pre-show. Right. And at the end of the email, you said, don't overthink it. And of course, I did listen to you <laughs> and I obsessed over it. I know you. So uh, I added a few criteria to what you asked me. So you asked me for something rare. So you made it even harder for yourself. Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) So something rare, something you probably never heard before. That's going to be the tricky part because whenever we find an amazing record, we share we, with each other. <laughs> we don't share with, e- with each other. We try to out cool each other. Look what I got. <laughs> exactly. There's a bit of a uh, one upmanship. We want to brag to each other. That's basically it. We want to show the other off. So, you know, the most rare stuff and desirable stuff you've heard already. Perhaps, perhaps prove, prove that wrong. That's, that's the hard part. Now, one of the other criterias that I, I insisted on was to make you jealous. Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think I, I, I have a few aces up my Excellent. sleeve that uh, might, uh, <laughs> might work. And one of them, when we talk rare, wasn't on Discogs and wasn't on YouTube until I put it there. So I think I can check that box of rare. Now, funny enough, it's not the most expensive one. It's, it's quite a cheapy, but it's it's rare. Now, the other criteria that I insisted on was I wanted tracks that I define as mod, in my view, also that represent me. Now, I'm going to ask you that question. I want to see if you paid attention to your mentor. Previous <laughs> uh, <the laughs> times we <laughs> we uh, we DJed together. Now. What are two things I look for every time in a tune that I I go crazy over? Drum breaks. One. Ding, ding. Hand clapping. Two. Yeah, you got it. (laughs) So uh, A plus for that. I'll send you the certificate in the mail. (laughs) So that being said, my first tune, that's the one I put on YouTube. It wasn't there before. So it's Gene Martin. Let's Moan. Ooh. It's on Redford Records. And I think it's the only record that came out on that label. Now that makes it even more scarce. Yeah. And it's from uh, 1964. So it's sort of a R&B, blue-eyed soul, and it has one or two of the elements I pride myself on. And, of course, you have a promo copy. Yes, I do. Yeah, and you, if you go and uh, search it out on YouTube... You'll see that my um, spindle is an addicted to the needle spindle. Drink again. All right, let's give it a listen. Is everybody ready for morning? Well, do you really want to start morning? Does everybody feel like groaning? Well, everybody let's smoke if you're feeling bad.
This is The Face Radio, and you are listening to On Target. It's what's in the grooves that count. Visit ontargetpodcast.ca, the official On Target website, for all episodes and links to your favorite listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, and Player FM. We are also available for download at iHeartRadio, Odyssey, Ghana, Roomplay, and Deezer. Listen, comment, download, share, and feel free to send me an email directly at mod.marty at yahoo.com. That was awesome. And yes, I'm jealous. It's totally my type of thing, which is obvious because you and I have exactly the same taste. Although where, where you look for drum breaks, I look for organ. So for me, it's organ. But that was super gritty, super R&B. Love the sort of talk intro, you know, getting the crowd all riled yeah. up. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I love an intro. And usually I put a record like that with a talk intro at a beginning of a set. So there's a cut between the two DJs. Yeah. And at the same time, although I do have a hype record that introduces my... And my- I copied you and have one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are perfect as, you know, sort of an intro. And it marks a little pause yeah. between the two DJs. So that's a... DJ secret. <laughs> a little DJ secret for those uh, kids out there. Getting into it. Take notes. Well, I absolutely love that. I think, uh, I mean, that's a really good example of the kind of stuff that we look for. We're not always looking for the rarest thing, right? We just like the music. We go for the song that we like, right? I mean, if it's super rare and super expensive, it doesn't always mean it's good. Right. So that's an affordable one. And I also picked it out because I thought I'd dedicate it to you because, you know, you're known as a moaner. You, you moan all the time. Whenever we're together, <laughs> uh, whining uh, and moaning. And- I'm Jewish. It's what I do. I <laughs> complain. It's I'm glad you said it. into my DNA. Because <laughs> I have that same type of conversations with my uh, podcast partner. So Yes, because he's like, he's a moaner too. Oh, he is. Uh, But that's also part of what makes us an old married couple. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about what the scene's like in Montreal nowadays. Uh, Well, there's the pre-pandemic scene and post-pandemic. I'm still trying to to get stuff back on track after the pandemic. Uh, That's when my my own night at the Mod Club stopped. There's a handful of us, really, that are still uh, sort of dedicated mods. Uh, the scooter scene is is pretty decent because we have a great shop in town called Scooter. Yeah, that makes a difference for all you English speakers out there. Scooter, it sounds way better in French. <laughs> there's a there's a healthy ska scene here. I think the Montreal Ska Festival has been running for a dozen or so years. That's when I last saw the Kingpins was at the Ska Fest. Uh, you know, the Gruesomes just did another concert. So... You know, there's stuff around, but I'm in need of a good soul night. Yeah. When Ben and I, we had started a soul night called Mess Around, and it was all a bunch of college kids. And uh, I had to fall out with one of the one of the our partners. We were three, but it kept it kept going until uh, the venue was sold. So, aren't you trying now to do? Uh- Montreal version of with it as well or is- we we did it a few times you know it's not my own night it's yeah DJ Nico's night so I I don't have a say in that but to have all the stars align is the hardest thing there's no formula to having a successful 60s night the the most successful 60s night I ever guest DJ that on paper didn't make any sense but some reason it just clicked i'm thinking of save your soul in baltimore which is in the basement of a lithuanian hall yeah <laughs> in a residential neighborhood and it's been going on for more than a decade it's huge and it's it's huge two three hundred people on a dance floor every month so shout out to Rob Macy who does it. If there was a formula, we'd all, you know. Yeah, we'd all do it and it would all work. Put it in a grinder and make it happen. It also depends on the bar that you're at or the or the venue that you're at and whether or not they're behind you because you have to have a venue that backs you and is willing to put up with nights where people don't come, you know, and let it build, which, you know, 
I was searching for a place to do my night for years here. I was doing all kinds of DJing, but I couldn't get anybody to be behind me on doing a, a soul night. So you're right. It is just the stars aligning and everything just being right timing, right place, right people. And the grind. Yeah. You have to put in the work. Yeah. That's, that's why I always tip my hat off to Terezina for our With It Night in, in Toronto. She works really hard at having this that, that night be successful. Uh, sort of the same way I did with the Mod Club. For uh, I was in a, in a little bar here called Bar de Courcelles, which was sort of a dive bar. And it was full for four years, every Saturday. Yeah. For some reason, the owners decided to stop. Uh, it was full. People loved it. They, I can't explain it. And ever since then, <laughs> like it's, nights have been going down, and it it's it's been a struggle. It's sad, but but you know, it's always looking forward and seeing if uh, you can start a new night and uh, and don't give up. Like that's the thing that I've learned too. Is just, uh, I'm not giving up. Like things don't work. Just try something else because exactly. I'm not giving up. It's one of the reasons I did my Soul Club. Instead of having an event at a place, it's an event that can change venues. If the venue doesn't work out, if it doesn't hook there, then at least the name will stick, stay with me. Yeah. So it'll go from venue to venue. And uh, I was lucky enough to have a solid venue for about a year and a half. And now I've been at the same venue for nine months and there's no indication that that's going to end. And that consistency and, and the bar that backs you, that's all I ask for. And then I will do the rest, you know, exactly. and that's, that's what it's like. So for, for the time being, I've been hopping from DJ guest spots to, you know, the occasional uh, gig, for example, the Gruesome's concert start of December, I'm DJing a sort of a rockabilly band called the Luckies. So I'm going to play more of a rock and roll type of sets. I've been uh, doing a monthly 60s DJ set in the church basement of a flea market. That's a monthly flea market. Totally different vibe. You know, obviously there's an old dance floor, but the people love it. They really appreciate it. People look forward to the next one all the time. So that is really fun because I get to flex different muscles, you know. Yeah. It's from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I play some deep soul, some mod jazz, some funk. Even I go even into disco because the, the lovely um, lady that she's, a, she's like a young 20-year-old that started this flea market is really into disco. So she insists on a disco set. So it's fun because you can uh, play different stuff. But, you know, I'm known as a retro DJ that plays mainly soul and R&B. So that's really fun. I just don't get to see people dancing. But, you know, yeah. there's a lot of uh, <laughs> head bobbing. Well, and that could be just as gratifying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of smiles. That's the best thing. Yeah. And and compliments and people talking about the music. And that means that they're listening and, and you're touching some chord in them that works. Exactly. And just yeah. recently, uh, last week, I did the Cornwall Soul Club. And I, we're not talking about uh, Cornwall, England. <laughs> Cornwall. <laughs> we're talking about Cornwall, Ontario. I was asking a local, do you think you're a big town or a small city? And he goes, we're a bit of both. And a, a friend of ours, uh, DJ Case, yep. has started the Cornwall Soul Club there. And it's in a restaurant, a bar slash restaurant. It's really divided in two. There's a bar part and the restaurant part. And we're, we were set up at the end of the bar, on the bar. And again, people loved it. You know, uh, everybody sitting at the bar were there for our night. So they were there to enjoy the music. That's what you want right there. <laughs> and Stacy, a.k.a. DJ Case, goes, Pat. You're welcome every month from now on, if you want. Let's do it both together. Let, let's take it a month at a time, but I'll be there next <laughs> yeah. month. Because it's still like about uh, a little less than an hour and a half away from, from my place. So. Well, that's not bad. No, it's not bad. But, uh, you know, when you finish the night driving back home, uh, that can Yeah, that can be. It could be a schlep. Okay, so let's play another track. All right. Because I want to get some more music going here. So what do you have now? So the next one... This is 
another rare one, as you might uh, imagine, from 1966. The reason why I decided to pick this tune is it's Garage, a, a Garage 45 that made it big on the Northern Soul scene. Ah. So it's both our loves, right? Yeah. Is, you is can it by add, the human uh, beings? <laughs> no, no, it's the fads. Ooh. The fads, a track called My Poor Heart. So it's a perfect mix of garage and soul, I guess. And yeah, it, it became a, a sort of a underground hit on the Northern Soul scene in England. All right, let's give that a listen. Amazing. I love the horns, the, the, or starting off with just an organ chord and then the horns come in and, and that incredible drum break. I mean, it, it's got everything, even a little bit of hand clapping in there, maybe. <laughs> it ticks all the boxes. <clears throat> yeah. And you understand why it appeals to the garage, aficionados uh, and the Northern soul scene, because it builds up just like a, the perfect northern soul track yeah yeah absolutely and it's and the horns also help yeah and the voice like the voice is almost uh secondary in this case the voice isn't the strongest but it definitely works with the music and the music is so powerful that it all balances out in the end so that was on the temp dash o record label tempo okay i wanted to just ask you one last question Mod Trial. We've done how many? Six? More than uh, more than that. More than that? Yeah. Seven or eight? Yeah. Okay. So they were great before the pandemic. So we just had one in September. And you don't need to sugarcoat it. <laughs> it was meh. Like it, it was awesome for us. Like we played to each other. We had tons of great DJs from all over the place. But there was very little support from anyone else. Well, you're very diplomatic, so I appreciate that. I, I'm I'm hard on you. You could easily be hard on me. None of this is your fault. Well, in a sense, it is. Because let me jump back a few weeks before Montreal. So this summer, I got to tick the number one place on my bucket list, which was uh, to uh, DJ one of the biggest 60s events in the world, basically, the Yeye in Giron, Spain. Right. 
Which they're not, they're not calling Euro Yay Yay anymore, right? It used to be called Euro Yay Yay, and they're, they're celebrating their 30th year, I think, this summer. Wow. Well, you know me, Marty, I, I, I hate for you to bask in my glory, but I am an international <laughs> DJ now. Oh, geez, like you needed to put that feather in your cap. <laughs> so I, I'm really glad it was absolutely amazing. The Spanish crowd is out of this world. It was really great. So we scheduled the weekender in the middle of our trip, my wife and I. So we spent 15 days in Spain. And as I'm sitting on the tarmac in Barcelona, in my in my seat on the plane, I decided the uh, last thing I'm going to do before the pilot asks me to turn off my phone is I'm going to change my um, profile picture on Facebook. And you know what? I have a suggestion for you for the thumbnail for this uh, for this episode. I'm going to send you that picture. So oh, great. Feel okay. free to use it. And during the flight, the eight-hour flight back to Montreal, I completely disappeared from Facebook. I'm now known as Kongu Todong on Facebook. <laughs> And that was like right at the peak of promoting Montreal. Yep. So I had no access to my event, to Facebook. Luckily, you helped a lot. Thank you very much. I did what I could. So try doing a weekender with no promotion, basically. So it, it, it's my fault and not my fault. Well, there, I, there's that. But also it felt like the people that I spoke to who didn't come did know about it well in advance. And in fact, a lot of people who had asked us to do it in a Keystone, because that was sort of what sparked us doing it again, knew about it, yep. didn't come. Did cancel on us. <laughs> yeah. So, th but that's part of the game. And uh, by the way, last week, <laughs> my... Uh, Instagram, Park Avenue ex Instagram got hacked. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, if you want to reach me, reach me through the Addicted to the Needle Instagram account. Drink. So uh, if you ask me about the future of Montreal, at this point, uncertain. Fair. It, it basically it was just a, an excuse for uh, having Marty fly from Winnipeg to Montreal so we could spend a weekend. Yeah, together. which is essentially what it was. But we also got to hang out with uh, other friends of ours as well. Oh, great people. Yeah. I mean, every year was great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but it would have been nice if we had gotten like a nice big dance floor. and. Of course. But I'm not worried. If it's not Montreal, we'll find a reason to see each other. Always. Uh, around that time or during the summer. So uh, I'm not. I'm not worried about that. Uh, I don't even have access to the Mod Trial page anymore, so uh, <laughs> we'd have to create a whole new one. A whole new one. Yeah. So sort of sad, but you know, you could still check out Addicted to the Needle. Shot. I haven't explained the idea behind that podcast. So basically, it's something my my good friend Ben Schulman and I have been doing for a decade before we decided to do the podcast. He's a record picker, record dealer. He'd come over to my place every two weeks with a small record box full of uh, rare soul and garage from the 60s. We'd sit in my basement and he'd play me records and I would buy it or not. And we'd talk about our lives. And he's, he's really a soul savant, a 60s music savant i call him the rain man of soul music he knows everything it's crazy i'm i'll let you have a peek behind the curtain i'm really a poser in, in this duo i just i just tag along there it is i'm gonna start the episode with that statement <laughs> and you're gonna play in loops <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh i i told him oh you should start your own blog Oh, that is still hasn't been hacked yet. So if you want to go check out Parka Avenue dot blogspot dot com, I have more than two hundred uh, articles you can uh, sniff through. So I just told Ben once uh, when he was coming over to sell me records, I go, Ben, have you thought of uh, starting a, a blog? Goes, nah, I don't have time. And I go, okay, well, listen. We're just going to put two microphones in front of our faces. I'm going to press record and we're going to do what we've done for a decade now. You're going to sell me records on air. 
it really the 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 whole premise of the show is just a podcast about a friendship. Yeah, because we tell us we tell each other everything. We certainly don't sugarcoat anything. Uh, check out the latest episode; you'll understand what I mean. And uh, we play uh, about five records through the show. <laughs> it's similar to this uh, this very nice uh, episode. Well, it was the one way I could get you to listen to my show was to have interviews with people. <laughs> well, you're, you know, you know your your numbers are going to go up, so that's oh, a bonus. Wow. Okay. So we're going to play one more track. Uh, you've got one more for me? <laughs> yeah, one that will make you jealous. Excellent. So uh, the last one is Danny Maddie. It's uh, the title is I'll Cry No More. It's on Gin Records, G-I-N. Now, apparently this record might have been a cover up for a long time. And it's, a, again, perfect mix of soul and garage. It's out of Louisiana uh, from a little town called Ville Platte. So, you know, in Louisiana, there's some uh, French there. So Ville Platte means the, the translation is flat town. And apparently, if Discogs is correct, this 45 was pressed in a very small amount and uh, rejected by the label. And the artist, Danny uh, Maddie, grabbed a handful and threw the rest away. It says that there's like a dozen copies floating around, but according to Discogs, we're 13 that own it. So... You know, it's rare. Yeah. Uh, and this is one you got from Ben? Oh, no. Oh. I got that myself. Okay. Well, let's uh, give it a listen and then I'll give you my opinion afterwards. the organ it has the organ that i love it's there and another great track it's one of those things though that is so rare that you'll play it but nobody else will ever play it nobody will know it nobody will be able to buy it you know what i mean like it, it's hard to get a track like that to get any traction because if you can't find it anywhere it's in like oh that's so good i wish i could have that oh well and on to the next thing oh so was it uh, three out of three yeah, I was a three out of three. You you nailed every one of those tracks. So you were jealous uh, for everyone. Yes, yes. You have me on a, an emotional roller coaster today. Well done. It's it hurts. Here's another <laughs> uh, uh, an, another DJ tip for you. So take note. Yeah, I know you're not talking to me. 
<laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, when you have a really rare record like that that nobody knows, you're just slipping in between two really known tracks. And so that way you don't lose the dance floor and people will go, oh, this, hey, I don't know this, but this is great. So a little DJ tip for you. Yes, that is definitely the way to play something like that. <laughs> yeah, for you, meaning the listeners of the show, because I already knew that. <laughs> you know what? I could talk to you forever and ever, and I wish we could go on, but I do have a limited amount of time. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. I I wanted to talk more about Parker Avenue, but we're out of time. So you just sent people to uh, Parker Avenue. I want people to go and read your blog because when, when we first met and I first found out who you were, I read everything that was on there. And I was a little bit, you know, uh, intimidated nope. at first, <laughs> but then I got to know you. And now you try to intimidate me. <laughs> well, you you know the person behind the persona. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and, and listen, uh, Marty, I'll take you at your word. As you mentioned in your email, uh, inviting me on your show, uh, I'll be happy to come back for part two. Yes, we will do that. I do promise you we <laughs> will do that. I just made that up and he just went along with it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm a yes and man. <laughs> uh you know, I have plenty more records to make you jealous. Yes, I do. I think it might be time for me to try and fish out some records that would make you jealous. All right. Well, you're welcome on Addicted to the Needle. All right. Challenge accepted. It'll take me a while to find them. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. And uh, we will have you back again, I promise. All right. <laughs> Take care. All right. And we'll talk soon. See you soon. You are listening to On Target Dance Party Radio in England on modradiouk.net. That was an amazing episode. Another epic show. He introduced us to some pretty wild music that I had not heard before, and I'm sure you haven't either. Patrick mentioned that there were records that he had put up on Discogs and YouTube because they were just nowhere to be found. And so I'm going to end the show with one that I'm, I put up on YouTube and that I put up on 45 Cat and Discogs. It's by David Thorne. It's a popcorn number called Where Will I Be Tomorrow Night on the Admiral label. So this is my little bit of rare vinyl to add to the sounds for today. This has been On Target with yours truly, Maud Marty. Join me every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and every Tuesday at 9 a.m. on The Face Radio. And please visit thefaceradio.com and donate to get a free gift and help to keep the station on the air. Until next time, keep the faith. Where will I be tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, where the moon is bright. Where will I be tomorrow night? I'll be in my baby's arms. What will I see tomorrow night? Tomorrow night when the moon is bright What'll I see tomorrow night? A great big bottle of charms Her eyes are blue, her hair is brown A knocked out figure that knocks you down I guess you know Are we ready? All ready to go around steady Will be for me tomorrow night Tomorrow night when the moon is bright Where will I be tomorrow night? I'll be in my baby's arms Her eyes are blue, her hair is brown A knock-out figure that knocks you down I guess you know, are we ready? 
all ready to go around steady Won't be for me tomorrow night Tomorrow night when the moon is bright Where will I be tomorrow night? I'll be in my baby's arms Won't be for me tomorrow night Tomorrow night when the moon is bright Where will I be tomorrow night? I'll be in my baby's arms I'll be in my baby's arms I'll be in my baby's arms